3: Let's roll. This is SportsRage. I am Gable Morencia. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people of Boston, but everybody else in between breaking it down. The Monday night meltdown has begun. Countdown to Super Bowl 56 is officially on. Point spread remains four at FanDuel right now. Total now 48 and a half, although there are four and a halfs popping up on the West Coast uh, right now. East Coast seems to be four. West Coast seems to be four and a half. The West Coast bias with the Los Angeles Rams playing in their home stadium on their home field. We're breaking it down. Sigmund Bloom's going to step up and in and join us. We talk NFL football with Sigmund. George Kurtz kicks it with us as well. There's a lot of props and storylines, notes and everything else in between uh, to get to as um, there's a lot of interesting angles to this uh, football game that we'll get to, and there's a lot of interesting props uh, that are on the board uh, right now that we'll get to. We're living in a completely different era right now as far as Super Bowl betting is concerned. Never seen anything like this. I mean, you know, it was just years ago that we didn't know the props until later in the week right it wasn't like you know you had quarterback rush yard numbers and stuff like that on the monday the monday after the conference championship games but that's where we're at right now so it used to be like all right you know what we you know you sort of wait you study you know you wait a couple of days you anxiously are waiting for the numbers uh, to pop up now we've got to start betting these things we've got to start betting these things we're not going to get any better numbers as the time goes on and you gotta believe when it comes to props too, people are just gonna bet the overs to these things. So a good example is Joe Burrow right now, is ten and a half rushing yards. If we wait until Super Bowl Sundays, he's still gonna be ten and a half, probably not. Probably be twelve and a half, thirteen and a half. Like the mainstream public haven't sunk sunk their teeth into this stuff yet. And I'll tell you what, yeah, you know, we're not used to sinking our teeth into it this early either. But you know what? We put in a teaser last night on you know on the Super Bowl pretty much just for fun. You know, I just did it. I had a weird, odd number in my account, so I figured, oh, I'll just put this in and even it out. know, <laughs> I'll put the first Super Bowl bet in. But we're serious. It's time to come out firing right now, and we'll tell you about some of the plays we're already looking at, and I just dropped one of them with Joe Burrow over under ten and a half rushing yards. Interesting matchup between Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford. It's hard to believe, as dominant as the SEC has been over the history of college football, through 55 Super Bowls, there's only been five SEC quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl, all right? Like, it's, it's just one of those weird things, like USC Trojan quarterbacks. Hell, the SEC have done better than USC have. Just one of those sort of weird anomalies, and we're going to have another SEC winning quarterback. We've talked a lot recently about the recent run of success connected to Georgia, right? The Atlanta Braves win the World Series, The Georgia Bulldogs win the college football championship. Uh, PGA Tour players from Georgia have been killing it and lighting it up. And now Matthew Stafford could win a Super Bowl from Georgia. Let's roll. This is Sports Rage. The Monday Night Meltdown has begun. I am Gable Morencia. the pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people of bust up, and everybody else in between. We're kicking it. The money Year 1090 ESPN Radio. What's up, San Diego? Aztecs rolling as we track the college basketball board. We uh, recap what went down in the association tonight, but let's be real. we got a couple of more weeks left, and then it's done. 13 days until uh, Super Bowl. Uh, 56. The point spread is 4 right now at FanDuel although I should note, I guess it's depending on what state uh, you're looking at. All right, because there are 4 and a halfs that are popping up in this football game. Surprisingly enough to me, because I didn't think we'd see uh, 4 and a halfs. But the Rams are getting a lot of uh, backing right now on uh, the West Coast. To set the stage, uh, Rams lay four. Total is 48-and-a-half. So a lot of interesting storylines that will start to break down uh, pertaining to this, including the fact that this is the youngest matchup ever as far as head coaches are concerned. These guys are 38-and-36, man. 38 and 36 years old, right? McVay's in his second Super Bowl, he's 36, Taylor's only 38, and let's be real, Zach Taylor might be one of the most unheralded, least talked about coaches to coach in a Super Bowl, right? Nobody really knows who this guy is, where he came from, and, you know, he was heavily criticized, the hire uh, was scrutinized in Cincinnati, but, yeah, he's got Joe Burrow, but, you know, you've got to give credit to the coaching staff uh, for getting this far. So we'll get into Zach Taylor's uh, storyline a little bit, and of course, Zach Taylor and Sean McVay are good friends. Uh, Taylor was part of McVay's staff uh, in the past, albeit briefly. Uh, Taylor, though, one of these dudes that you know, he paid his dues. This guy, he was a quarterback. You know, he was a quarterback in college. You all remember him at Nebraska. Um, he was in the CFL briefly, and then he climbed up the um, the rankings in the National Football League through the coaching chain. Nothing was given to, to, to Zach Taylor. So even though he's only 38, this guy's uh, he's a football lifer as well. Interesting storylines as far as the coaches uh, are concerned. I'm fascinated by the fact that there's been 55 Super Bowls and only five quarterbacks uh, from from the, uh, the SEC have won Super Bowls. Now, they've won more than five because they've won multiple Super Bowls. But only five guys have won Super Bowls. Uh, well, we're going to have a six because Burrow and Stafford are both SEC quarterbacks. we we'll get you caught today date with the price, the tickets for the, the Super Bowl, and more. This is rage Bring it
1: That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You
4: stumped this charming devil. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? (laughs) Yeah, really.
2: Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better.
4: Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.
1: You are listening to Sports Rage Late Night with Gabe Marinci. Whoa, yeah! Yeah, we're rolling. It's the Monday Night Meltdown.
3: Sigmund Bloom will join us a little bit uh, later on. Uh, great uh, great guest, uh, great Twitter follow for NFL fans. Sigmund uh, Bloom, uh, one of the football guys, will kick it uh, with us. We got uh, George Kurtz going to step up and in and level two. A lot of stuff to get to, a lot of Super Bowl talk, uh, but let's just get you caught up to date with what went down uh, tonight. There's always a lot of stuff that happens. It's like, wow, that's never happened before. I mean, you know, and you think, come on, how has that not happened before? And a classic example of this is uh, Steph Curry scored 21 points tonight in the fourth quarter, which is, you know, it's a lot of points. He went up, but it's surprising. It's um, you know, Steph Curry's 21 uh, points are the most in the fourth quarter of any regular season game of his career. Uh, he's done it in the um, – he did it in the playoffs before. He dropped 23 in 2019 in a playoff game in the fourth quarter. 21 points in the fourth quarter tonight for Steph Curry. Curry goes off uh, tonight tonight. We were on Notre Dame uh, this evening. and I don't bet a lot of Notre Dame basketball, um, but for whatever reason, I'm like, oh, no, no, tonight's the night. Uh, Notre Dame had a 10-game winning streak on their home court. They've actually been playing well, and they've covered against good teams, uh, Notre Dame. Tonight, though, unbelievable. They scored 14 points in the first half. They scored 14 points in the first half. Like, they, there was, like, 16 minutes left in the game, and they were at 16 points. Like, literally. All right? It was the fewest points in any half under Mike boy since 2000, 2001. And, of course, first time in 22 years, Notre Dame dropped 14 points and a half, and I've got to be on them tonight. Now, me personally, tonight is one of these weird nights. I don't know how it happens, but it does. I probably wagered about $1,700 in, in action. You know what I mean? Like, I, I had a lot of plays tonight. I played a lot of NBA props. And uh, so I, I had, like, oh, let's just say, like, over 1,500 bucks, 16, you know, 16, whatever, 1,650, 1,700. I was playing in game stuff too. And in the end, I won $13. Literally, I won $13 tonight. <laughs> and, and think about that. I must have had like 20 plays, like, literally. I mean, I posted, I gave like 13 NBA props earlier in the day. I ended up winning $13. Amazing how that can happen sometimes, you know what I mean? You bet all these games, (laughs) it's like, well, I'm up 13 bucks. So basically, after all that, I guess I can go to McDonald's. I blame the Oklahoma Sooners actually, because I had a parlay with them on the back end that if they would have won, then we would have been in uh, much more in the profit, much more in the profit. I actually don't know. It's one of these deals where I'm like, come on, man. How did I, you know, I I was looking, I was like, man, I know because I gave 13 picks on Twitter earlier, and I I went 8-5 and there. So I went 8-5 and there, and I did well with the in-game, so I'm not really sure how I only won 13 bucks. I kept hitting refresh, sort of like, you know, know, maybe something else is coming in here. (laughs) But nothing else seemed to arrive. Check, check's in the mail, buddy. And I'd say Notre Dame was one of the games that I was on the wrong side of. They dropped 14 points uh, tonight. 14 points in the first half. Great, great job. Great job. So as far as the Super Bowl is concerned, uh, we said that we were talking about the SEC earlier. It's amazing that the SEC as good of a conference as it's been over the years that only five of their quarterbacks have won Super Bowls through 55 Super Bowls. Yet, we're going, to have, we're going to have an SEC um, winning quarterback this time around. So, we're going to be at six. And, you know, I was thinking, all right, the last time, well, we had uh, Peyton Manning and Cam Newton, right? Tennessee versus Auburn in the Super Bowl. And incidentally, that was the first time that um, starting quarterbacks who were number one picks in the draft went head-to-head in the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford will be the second time only. It's hard, you know, it's easy to forget but Stafford was a uh, was a top uh, top pick many years ago. Something else is interesting too here as far as like we all talk so much about seeding, all the seeding and this and that and I've talked a lot about the Cincinnati Bengals and what they did and their brilliance actually and it really was cuz yeah, they had to go to Tennessee and then they had to go to uh, to Kansas City. But don't you think the Buffalo Bills softened up uh, the Kansas City Chiefs? It was clear. Like, the Cincinnati Bengals could have been the three seed if they wanted to be. And they did it. On the last uh, Sunday of the regular season, they rolled over. They allowed Buffalo to become the three seed. And then, therefore, Buffalo were the ones that had to go to Kansas City first. And let's be real, that Tennessee game was an easier game than what Buffalo had to deal with with Kansas City. Man, I, I'm, still, I'm still in shock about Buffalo losing, and now it's almost like I'm still in shock that Kansas City managed to lose. It's easy to forget like how, how dominant Kansas City were even yesterday in this football game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, man, his QBR rating yesterday, in the first half, was 98. In the second half, it was 1.4. It's the largest gap in the QBR by a half in the playoffs since QBR tracking began in 2006. So it's amazing. Like, as much as we praise Mahomes as being this you know, legend and stuff like that, the wheels completely fell off for him. It's almost like Cincinnati have just been at the right place at the right time all the time. You need to give them credit because it's not an accident that they're here, but at the same point in time, if you look at how they got here... They get the Raiders in the first uh, playoff game, right? You know what I mean? Like, somehow the Bengals sort of like everything just went their way. It's like, yeah, you got the Raiders. um, The Raiders were falling apart. It was amazing that they got that far. And then even then, the Raiders nearly tied the game late, right? There was an interception, like, on the goal line. Then you got Tennessee, who kind of fought... Yet, had the football game, you had Ryan Tannehill just kept throwing interceptions, the play calling was sloppy, they survive. They survive. I mean, there was a time yesterday in which, you know, Burrow was like 11-21. to He was completing less than 50% of his passes. They didn't have any spirit. They didn't have any emotion. I mean, they were up against it, Cincinnati. And it's amazing, man, that one play, man, Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill gets into the end zone. They make it 28-10 before the, uh, at the half, and in case he get the ball, it's game over. It's game over. The fact that Tyree Kill did not get into the end zone, and then suddenly, you know, as bad as Cincinnati played, and I said it at the half well as we were on, I said, you know what, as bad as we played, it's hard to believe where it's, it's 21-10 right now. And, you know, you got to stop, and you're right back in it. So let's give him credit. But it really is crazy how the wheels fell off for uh, for Kansas City. As far as Buffalo is concerned, interesting that Sean Payton's talking now. But Sean Payton, Sean Payton's not a coach anymore, and he's letting his feelings be known uh, about other other teams and subjects in the National Football League. Sean Payton did an interview with NBC Sports Peter King, and uh, they discussed. They discussed the Buffalo Bills and the, the 13 seconds and the Bills' inability to hang on. And Sean Payton actually did not disagree with kicking off. Payton tells Peter King, a lot depends on my kicker. If I've got a young kicker I'm not sure I can trust, I'm not going to squib kick it. You can't take the risk of it going out of bounds or it being recovered at the 40-yard line. I also don't like trying up a pop-up kick to land at the 8- or 10-yard line. I'm not going to ask a kicker to use a technique a seldom used to place a kick somewhere that might determine whether you go to a whether a championship game. I'm probably just going to kick the ball deep into the end zone and give them the ball to 25 like Buffalo did. Peyton, though, did take issue with Sean McDermott, and I'm sure McDermott and Leslie Fraser are going to love this com- these comments. Sean Payton says the crime that is committed comes after that. We're playing football still. You can't be defending the sidelines at all costs like Buffalo was. When you see Travis Kelski catch that long pass to put him in field goal range, a quarterback is defending an area of the field near the sidelines. He doesn't need to defend. KC's got two timeouts left. They don't even need to get the ball out of bounds. Everything about uh, what Buffalo did defensively was flawed. We could play the outside man technique with a three man rush, funneling ball to the middle of the field and contesting outside technique. Sean Payton calling them out. This is Sports Rage! SportsGrid.com.
2: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play
1: devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this
4: charming devil. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on.
1: I just need it, that's all. Oh, no. Don't tell me. You're gambling again, aren't you? <laughs> oh, you weak, weak man.
3: <laughs> the late-night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Marantz. The players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between, let's do this thing. Uh, we told you there's only been five SEC quarterbacks to win, just for the record. Ken Stabler. Ken Stabler. Uh, Victoria, Super Bowl, Super Bowl winner. Bart Starr, uh, Super Bowl uh, winner. I uh, won two of them, actually. Eli Manning uh, won two of them. Joe Namath, of course, the guarantee. I am Joe Namath. Um, and um, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. So Peyton Manning, Joe Namath, Eli Manning, uh, Bart Starr, Ken Stabler. We'll be able to add either Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford uh, to this list when it's all said and done as um, there will be an SEC winning quarterback uh, this year. Some interesting uh, storylines to this game actually. We were talking about Zach Taylor. So Zach Taylor was uh, with the Rams for two seasons. He was the assistant wide receiver coach in 2017 and then he was the quarterback's coach in 2018. This is the uh, youngest youngest coaching matchup in Super Bowl history by far. McVay is 36. Taylor is 38. Taylor has an interesting story, though, and I was thinking about this. So, like, Taylor, Taylor's from Norman, Oklahoma, except he was a quarterback coming out of high school, except the Sooners didn't want him. Right? So the Sooners didn't want him. He bounced around. Um, one of these dudes, he transferred a bunch of times. He eventually ended up at Nebraska. And then after that, he didn't get drafted in the National Football League. Um, he got signed as like you know a undrafted free agent type thing. Hung around on a practice roster, I think with Tampa. Ended up in the CFL, but didn't 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 make it in the CFL either. I mean, we're talking about a guy that never quit. Like seriously, like you know, you look at Zach Taylor's story. All right, uh, so he had a record-setting uh, career at Norman High School in Norman, Oklahoma. But few colleges looked at him. The Oklahoma Sooners didn't want him. All right, so he signed with, uh, with Wake Forest. Uh, he sat on the bench, they redshirted him, whatever. He sat on the bench all the time. He was never gonna play there. So then he transferred to Butler Community College in Kansas. Uh, he won a championship there. Uh, he won a championship there. Then he ended up, um, he ended up in Nebraska. And he wasn't great at Nebraska either, he ended up in Nebraska. So as we stated, after that he went undrafted in the end of 2007 NFL draft, signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but was cut. And um, then he went to uh, Winnipeg, in the CFL. He spent the year on on he spent the year with the team, but he never played. He was on the practice roster only. So after that he quit playing. And um, it's funny, too, because he was he was on the practice roster. The Bombers lost the 95th Great Cup. I was actually at that game. So it's crazy, like, to think the the third-string practice roster quarterback for the Bombers that game is now in the Super Bowl as the head coach. Like, it's pretty crazy. So what I find interesting about this is the Winnipeg Blue Bomber tie-in here and, and the Calgary Stampeders and the CFL. Think about this. Think of Zach Taylor. Think of Zach Taylor like um, makes the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as opposed to his, you know what I mean, let's just say, let's say he's the backup or even the starter, but let's just say he's the backup even as opposed to just a practice uh, roster guy in the CFL. He would have stayed in the CFL. He would have stayed in the CFL and he would have been a CFL quarterback for years. That's the thing, like in the CFL, once you get in, you're kind of in, but it's hard to get in. Right, it's hard to play a quarterback in the CFL. There's been very talented guys that like have been unable to, you know, you know, stay on the roster. Like, look at Johnny Manziel. He went to the CFL. People thought he would kill it. He lasted like six games, right? And he threw like a million. He threw more interceptions than he played games, type thing. So, my point is, he plays for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Imagine how his life is different. Yeah, he might be a coach now. He might still be a coach after the fact, but you wouldn't have been the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals now because your timing in life would have been completely different. Like, everything in your life would have been different, right? You would have been in the CFL, and maybe you would have been a coach after, but what are the chances that, oh, yeah, I would have ended up with Cincinnati at the exact time that Joe Burrow came in and, like, you know what I mean? So it's amazing to me, and it's also crazy that Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner who won a Super Bowl with the Rams, right? So, Kurt Warner is another one who, Kurt Warner was on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, except he didn't make it. And it's amazing. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers keep cutting pretty successful players that make it in the NFL after. So, so, uh, the Bombers get rid of, uh, they get rid of Zach Taylor. He goes on to be a Super Bowl, uh, goes to the Super Bowl as a coach. And, you know, Kurt Warner. Imagine Kurt Warner makes the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, then he doesn't end up on the Rams, Like, Kurt Warner didn't make the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I don't know what kind of standard they have in Winnipeg, but actually they have won back-to-back championships. Um, So, yeah, Kurt Warner didn't make the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Kurt Warner makes the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He never ends up in the NFL because he would have been in the CFL, and he would have thought, well, I'm not good enough for the NFL. I never made there. I'm making money in the CFL now. He doesn't even make the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He ends up playing in the Arena League. Right, but not even like the big-time arena league at the time. Like the smaller arena league, you know what I mean? Like, the, you know, the arena, I remember arena football was pretty big for a while. It had big TV deals, NFL owners were behind it, and it was like the arena league, and then it was sort of like arena two that was sort of like smaller markets type of deal. And like Kurt Warner was like on Iowa, right? Like he wasn't even in the big league uh, arena league, and he ends up on the Rams, and the rest is history. The dude's in the Hall of Fame. Right, so it's pretty crazy, like how how life, like you know what I mean. I I, you know I guess the moral of the story is number one, Winnipeg. You know, next time you cut like a third string quarterback or something, just remember be nice to him because he's going to go on a massive success. (laughs) But the moral of the story is don't quit, right? You know, Zach Taylor, you know what I mean. Just kept grinding in his life, and he ends up now as a head coach in the Super Bowl. Kurt Warner got cut everywhere, kept grinding, ended up on the Rams, ended up with, you know, they're making movies about him now. And the last one, the sort of the CFL tie-in, which is amazing, was The Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. You know, Dwayne Johnson was a pretty good football player at Miami with the U. He was good, but he wasn't NFL good, right? So, but he wanted to play football. He didn't even want to be a wrestler. You know, like, he wanted to, you know, carve his own path in life. So... He didn't want to be a wrestler. He wanted to be a football player. So he thought, if I'll go to the CFL, I'll prove myself, and maybe I'll get into the NFL after. And Dwayne Johnson was ready to play in the CFL and be happy. So he goes, and he's on the Calgary Stampeders. And he's going to make the Calgary Stampeders. So it's not like he didn't make the team. He was going to make the team, but the head coach, Wally Buono, at the time pulled him aside and told him, listen, you made the team. If you want, you know, you've made the team. And Dwayne's like, "Oh, that's awesome! Thanks, Coach." He says, "You're on the team." He goes, "You're backup linebacker. You're backup." And uh, he goes, "You'll play on special teams and you'll be a backup." And Dwayne Johnson was ready to accept that. And Wally Bono told him, he said, "You know, I know your family's all in wrestling, and you, you know, you want to play football and stuff." But he goes, Wally Bono told him, "You're not." You're never going to be anything in this sport. <laughs> like like Wally Brano told him point blank. He goes, I'm telling you. He goes, you're a backup. And he goes, you're going to play on special teams, man. And he goes like, yeah, you made the team. Right? But he says, you know, you're not. He goes, I'm telling you. You're not like, you're not a starter in this league even. He goes, you're not a starter in this league. And, and he told him. He said, you should be a wrestler, man. He goes, He goes. take some time to think about it. You should be a wrestler. You really should be. He said, that's where the money's at. And he goes, that's what you were born to do. And I guess that was the right decision, huh? Imagine if that never happened. There's no rock and Dwayne Johnson's just some dude that's on special teams in the CFL right now. For years. And instead, Dwayne Johnson is like, I don't know, is he a billionaire yet? I'm assuming he's getting close. And uh, he owns the XFL. Whenever that's going to start up. So, you know, I'm just saying interesting uh, interesting dynamics with football players, coaches, and just in life where you can get rejected, you can fail at something earlier in your life, but really it's opening up the window for something else, something bigger. And I think it's, you know, it's something that we can take, all of us can take uh, away. It really can, right? Like, you know, just keep grinding, man. Just keep grinding. And you love, you know, you love to see these people succeed like this. It's a great story. All right, it's a great, great story. So, like I said, Zach Taylor, this guy—I mean, this guy really climbed the ranks. I mean, 2012, assistant quarterback coach with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, so he starts off as an assistant quarterback coach in, in the uh, in the NFL. Um, well, we should note actually before that, he was with Texas A&M. All right, so he uh, did some college coaching, Texas A&M. Uh, Works his way up to interim um, offensive coordinator. Um, Then becomes, he goes to college. University of Cincinnati. Bearcats, offensive coordinator. All right, so you're talking about a guy, like, you look at Taylor, little bit of something everywhere. In the NFL quarterback coach, you know, wide receiver coach, offensive coordinator, goes to college, offensive coordinator, you know, becomes more of his own man, offensive coordinator. After that, he goes back to the NFL as a wide receiver coach, and then he's quickly promoted to, uh, to the quarterback coach with the Rams, and then he gets the Cincinnati Bengals job. So I think this guy might be a lot smarter than any of us have given credit for. Like I said, nobody's ever really talked about this guy besides who's that crappy coach in Cincinnati that loses all the time. I guess it's, better, it's easier to look like a better coach when you have Joe Burrow as your quarterback, though, uh, isn't it? The late night dagger match with class. This is
2: Sports Race. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from sling, the collide of football pads.
1: That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it.
4: You stumped this charming devil. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? (laughs) Yeah, really.
2: Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better.
4: Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.
1: Hey, mo. Wanna come with me and Wally to the Super Bowl? Oh, absolutely. My favorite team's in it. The Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, ever since I was a boy, I've always loved the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, they're good, but I wouldn't cut out the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I hear that President Clinton is gonna be watching with his wife, Hillary.
3: The late-night anger management class, this is Sports Ridge. I am Rexy breaking it down let's do this thing it's the monday night meltdown talking super bowl 56 and more just talking about uh how life can take you on a journey and uh if zach taylor actually made (laughs) the winnipeg blue bombers many years ago he wouldn't be coaching uh in the super bowl right now Uh, as, as a 38 year old youngest uh youngest coaching matchup in super bowl history interesting too andrew whitworth who's been such a great player for the Los Angeles Rams, of course, was a long-time Cincinnati Bengal as well. So he's facing his former team in the Super Bowl. And, you know, there was so much talk about... A lot of times, there's talk about certain cities, right? Sort of like players. Certain cities get more media attention, and somehow, like, their failures get more attention in other cities' failures. But think about if you're a Cincinnati sports fan. All right? If you're a Cincinnati sports fan, when was the last time you won a championship? Exactly, We've got silence, right? 1990, right? The Cincinnati Reds won in 1990. Now, they love baseball in Cincinnati, man, all right? The Cincinnati Reds, the big red machine, arguably the greatest baseball team ever, actually, all right? So, like, they love baseball. They have a great tradition of baseball in Cincinnati. They love the Reds. The Reds blow, all right? The Reds haven't won, you know, since 1990. And incidentally, that was the same time the Bengals won a playoff game, So think about the you know they have two you know they got two basically uh, they got two teams I guess they have an MLS team now right but uh, they got two you know the Reds and the Bengals no NBA team no NHL team and um, they got the college team Cincinnati that went on a nice run this year too actually it's amazing how these things come in waves huh they they really do they come in waves. But I'm just stating, like, the the sport fan in Cincinnati hasn't won a title, you know, since 1990. So, in other words, there's a lot of younger sport fans that haven't seen any success at all uh, before. Los Angeles, a little bit different, obviously, with the Dodgers and the Lakers, et cetera. Um, the Rams never won a Super Bowl in Los Angeles before. Uh, Twelve teams have never won a Super Bowl before, and the Bengals are one of them. The Bengals have never won the Super Bowl. They've been in the Super Bowl twice. They lost both times to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, FanDuel is posted. The numbers are all starting to pop up, like, across the board right now. So let's take a look at a couple of things that we're going to play. And let's start off with these are just sort of, I'm not calling them fun props, but, yeah, they're sort of fun props. These aren't national anthem props or coin toss stuff, but this is just sort of a couple of sprinkles um you know 50 bucks 100 bucks type thing because it's going to happen in the game and then it's going to upset you that you didn't make money on it when it happens all right one of those deals and let's start off with with, will there be a successful two-point conversion will there be a successful two-point conversion we see in modern football there's always two-point conversion attempts and I would rather bet that it's going to be successful than just bet will there be a two-point conversion attempt that like you know at, at even money or whatever. Will there be a successful two-point conversion attempt? Yes. Plus 350. I think that's a solid number right there. That's a very nice number. You put a hundred bucks on that, you're getting four fifty back. Right? So that's a nice, that's a nice payback right there. Even you put 50 bucks, 25 bucks, it's a nice little sprinkle. Um, it's a nice little boost uh, to your account during the game. I do believe there will be a successful two-point conversion attempt in this game at plus 350. I think that's a great number. It's just one of those. Yeah, at plus 350, I'll play that. Right? Doesn't mean I'm gonna put 500 bucks on it, but it's like yeah, I'll, I'll get a piece of that. But we discussed last night the safety prop. There's been nine nine Super Bowls in which there's been a safety, and it's incidentally plus 900. Now, that's also worth just a little sprinkle. Um, it could happen. Matthew Stafford, I can see Stafford getting sacked in the end zone. Stafford throwing a pass from the end zone, and there's a holding penalty or something. It's not out of the realm of possibility, right? And at 9-1, to one, same thing. You don't have to put a lot of money on that. We yeah, 9 to one. You put twenty-five bucks on it. You're making over two hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's one of those deals. Fifteen bucks over hundred. You know, you don't have to put too much on it just to get a little uh, little fun action uh, on some of these uh, some of these props. I guess you could call these the exotics. Let's call them the exotics. So, will there be a successful two-point conversion? Yes, at plus three fifty. Will there be a safety during the game? Yes, at plus nine hundred. The two-point conversion one, I'll play more seriously. The safety one will just be a little sprinkle just for the sake of it because if there is, I won't get mad that way because I've, that's happened before. I'm like, oh, God, I can't believe I don't have the safety prop. Um, especially it's happened nine times. Nine times out of 55 games, so there's a possibility. I do like the, uh, the successful two-point conversion attempt, though. I think that's, uh, that's definitely something uh, worth taking a look at. We talked about uh, some of the rushing yard props earlier, so these are the numbers right now. Joe Mixon, sixty-three and a half. Cam Akers, sixty and a half. Joe Burrow, ten and a half. Matthew Stafford, five and a half. Now, let's let's look at Joe Burrow here first. Uh, Joe Burrow's an athletic guy, obviously. But at the same point in time, he doesn't really want to take off. And, you know, he's he's not someone known for, for for taking off. You know what I mean? He's known for being a pretty good athlete when he does run, but at the same point in time, he's not Josh Allen. You know, we're not talking about Lamar Jackson here, or Josh Allen or Kyler Murray, or anything like this. Now, for the record, he had 25 rushing yards. On Sunday against Kansas City. Five rushing attempts for 25 yards. Against Tennessee, he only had five yards. Against the Raiders, he lost. He didn't rush for anything and then he took some knees, right? So he ended up uh, with minus two when it was all said and done. Now you go back to the regular season, he had 10 rushing yards against Kansas City, he had 11 against Baltimore, he had 25 against Denver. So, as you see, he is capable. I mean, in the last six games, he's 3-3 and at this 10.5. So, that's why they set it at 10.5. But, I believe I believe in in desperation mode, in in a game like the Super Bowl, quarterbacks are much more likely to take off. Right? They understand the urgency of every play. At some point, they're going to look up and see a, a bunch of green in front of them and decide, you know what? I'm talking it and I'm going. And, at ten and a half, it doesn't take a lot. He could do that with one run. He could do it with two runs. It doesn't take a lot. Unlike college football, in which if the quarterback gets sacked, it counts against your rush yard prop. It does not. The only thing that counts against your rush yard prop in the National Football League as a quarterback is if you take a knee. That does count, and I don't think it should. That's stupid, right? Because you're not losing yards rushing. You, everyone knows they're taking a knee. So I think that's kind of dumb, but you, you, know, you do lose that. Like, I've I've lost a couple of props like that. There were a couple of times this year Tom Brady was like one and a half, and I'm like, come on, man, it's one and a half and two and a half. And I'm taking he over. And, you know, he's got four rushing yards, and he takes three knees at the end of the game. I lost the bet. It happened to me twice this year. I lost rushing yard props with quarterbacks twice this year with them taking a knee at the end, and then I sort of got gun-shy by the really low totals. So Stafford will be, we'll get to Stafford here in a second. But at 10 and a half, Matthias, I know you. This caught your eye when I talked about this earlier, dude. That's one run. That's two runs. It's the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like he's gonna, he's gonna do whatever it takes to get a first down. This kid, and to get 11 yards rushing really is not asking all that much from him. As we stated, he just had 25 on Sunday, and I believe in another thing is he's gonna be under duress. Right, His offensive line isn't great, and the Rams' defensive line is very good. There's going to be a couple of times, man, where he's going to be, well, I'm either going to get murdered or I'm going to try to take off. And I love this prop, over 10.5. I think it's going to go up a little bit, maybe to 12.5. I don't think it's coming down, so if you're betting it, I think we should get in on it, but I like the over 10.5 here. No, Gabe, I'm with you, man. And you know what? Like you said, the guy feels the pressure, and when he knows that there's a, there's too much pressure that he could get out of and shoot out because the coverage is all over his receivers, he's going to take off because he has the brains to take off. I think a lot of the times when you look at these quarterbacks that end up getting these kind of big runs, it's because they understand the pocket's failing, but he understands that there's a blitz coming, so there's going to be some openings once he gets out of the, you know, out of the front four. So I, I definitely think that Burrow is going to have a couple times, like you said, where he's going to be able to get out of that pocket and get out. For some runs. The the Rams like the blitz. And I know no one really, and this is why you know we do what we do, but I don't think a lot of people are going to be talking about Matt Stafford and his rushing ability. Um, but Matt Stafford's over under is five and a half right now. It's five and a half, it's incredibly low And Stafford, he might be older, but similar situation. This is the game of his life, man. You know, Stafford knows, you know, the chance of him getting back to the Super Bowl, this is it. All right, this is it for him. I'm not saying the Rams can't get back, but, you know, this is the game of Stafford's life. And against San Francisco, five rushing attempts for eight yards. Against Tampa Bay, four rushing attempts for six yards. Against Arizona, six rushing attempts for 22 yards. You catch a pattern here? He's actually gone over five and a half in all three playoff games. And I'm going to be on him over five and a half. Now, Stafford is the type where we could get pinched due to him taking a knee late. Like, let's say he has, you know what I mean? He's got six rushing yards, and he takes a couple of knees, and it goes under. And then, hey, we got to bite the bullet. It is what it is. But this is the type of thing that we like to do when you look at props. Yeah, we're going to be betting the Cooper Cups and the OBJ props and stuff like that, too. Some of them, uh, if we can get a good number. But I sort of look for value, right? You know, what I mean I play a lot of props in all sports. So right away I just sort of look, all right, where are the numbers that are too low? What are the props that people aren't betting that I can get in right now before other people start to bet this thing? And I think these are two ideal examples of this. Joe Burrow over ten and a half rushing yards. Matthew Stafford over five and a half rushing yards. As I stated, Matthew Stafford's gone over five and a half yards in all three playoff games. 22 against Arizona, six against Tampa, and eight. And there's been some knees along the way. So, and he's still gone over this number. You take both Joe Burrow over ten and a half, and you take Matthew Stafford over five and a half. At worst, we go one and one. I think they can both hit this. You know, come on, man. Stafford can, you know, scramble for eight yards on one run, and that's that we've got it. And He's got to worry about a knee after type of deal. Same thing. These quarterbacks, it's the Super Bowl, man. It's the Super Bowl. Quarterbacks take off. In, in must-win, desperation situations, quarterbacks will do whatever it takes to get that first down. They'll do whatever it takes to extend the play. And it's just too, too low of a number here. So those are two, two plays, official plays, that we're going to put in early here. Joe Burrow over 10 and a half rushing yards. Matthew Stafford over five and a half rushing yards. Now, we've already put our teaser in in this game, yet the number went down. The number went down. Right? It went down to 48 and a half, the total. So now, teaser players, you get this thing over 41 and a half. I think we can middle this game and tease both sides of it, actually the late night anger management class this is sports rage bring it
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from sling Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the
1: greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it.
4: You stumped this charming devil. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try on
3: That anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Ramsey. If you're just joining us, uh, we've been discussing Super Bowl 56 props and a couple of prop plays that we're going to be putting in. Uh, will there be a successful two-point conversion? Yes, plus 350. Will there be a safety in the game? Yes, at plus 900. Little sprinkle on the safety. There's been nine uh, nine Super Bowls in which there has been a safety. Uh, we discussed the rush yard props. Uh, Joe Burrow talking about the quarterback props here. So Joe Burrow over under ten and a half, and uh, Matthew Stafford over under five and a half. I like both quarterback um, props to go over the number. I think they're both worth a look. As far as Joe Mixon is concerned, sixty three and a half is that's um, a manageable number for him. You know, I wouldn't really want to be betting too much higher, and I think it probably will creep up. It doesn't jump off the screen at me like, yeah, I want to get in on this. think what Mixon is, he also catches passes out of the backfield. So maybe we could take a look at a Mixon, you know, rush and receiving yard prop. Mixon's best strength is that he finds the end zone. So I will be playing Joe Mixon to score a touchdown. Like, will Joe Mixon score a touchdown in the Super Bowl? I believe, yes. Um, Joe Mixon will score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And in fact, I think Joe Mixon for the first touchdown of the game is definitely worth a look. I think there's some value here at plus 800. First touchdown score props for the game. Cooper Cup 470. Cam Akers plus 600. Jamar Chase plus 750. Joe Mixon plus 800. Odell Beckham plus 800. T Higgins 10 to 1. And I don't know why. Call it gut instinct. Well, listen, I bet a lot of Bengal games. You know, Joe Mixon was on my fantasy team, so... I know Joe Mixon on my, you know, one of my fancy football teams. I know Joe Mixon's patterns pretty well and his props. But I just got a gut feel that T. Higgins is in play here to catch, you know what I mean, to get the first touchdown of the game. And that checks in at 10-1. to 1. I think Odell's live, too, at 8-1 to 1, to be the first touchdown score. The late-night anchor management class continues.
1: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you
4: did it. You stumped this charming devil. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try on